Welcome to this episode of Miss Law Explains Things. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Miss Law Explains Things. So this is a very exciting episode because Budget 2021 just uh, got released on the 16th of February. So it's such an exciting time, I think, uh, to study economics, to be an economic student. So this is like a primer for all of you A-level students who want to know what is the whole importance and relevance of the budget. So I think what we are actually kind of learning about right now is actually a lot of macroeconomic policy. So we've learned about like fiscal, monetary and supply side. But the most interesting thing about the budget is that we see all of it kind of like coming out in, in a certain way, in one way or another. Maybe not so much a monetary, but definitely a lot of fiscal policy is actually coming out. And be prepared to take down lots of good examples right, and lots of very contextual information that helps us to better understand the challenges that Singapore's economy faces. So I'm looking at this article from Channel News Asia. There's lots of information, by the way about the budget 2021 and all details but i'm just going to focus on some core ideas that will help us and i call this a primer because it's supposed to prime you to better understand and better appreciate a lot of the decision making and the rationalization that takes place okay behind a lot of these things so we know that singapore was battered by like a very large recession because of the global battle against the pandemic right and in uh, the particular statement announced in Budget 21, there will be a shift from containment, which means to contain the pandemic, to restructuring. So where have we actually heard of the word restructuring before? So of course we can think of it like, okay, there's a good side to it, there's a bad side to it, because restructuring actually helps the economy to become more efficient and to like, move up in terms of its stage of economic development. But we know that some of the clear costs of economic restructuring are always in line with structural unemployment. So Budget 2021 with the team Emerging Stronger Together combines measures to help like a whole host of people. So for example, families, which is like households, workers as well as businesses to weather the crisis in the immediate term with measures to accelerate structural adaptations for the longer term. And I think this is a very important sentence because it shows that even at a policy level, we have to actually complement both short-term and long-term measures. So we have to kind of deal with the immediate fallout, but also kind of have like a longer-term perspective in place. So what does it mean for like you know the average Singaporean and local business? So, so the first thing that's actually very important from this entire discussion is the fact that there will be a new nine hundred million Sing dollar household support package. Okay, so that's basically government spending G that actually increases A D. And it's going to provide immediate relief to all Singaporean families, particularly lower and middle income households. So why is this particularly important? Because we want to achieve economic growth that is inclusive and that allows fair opportunities across different uh, social economic sectors, right? So the package itself consists of things like GST voucher special payment, right? Okay, as well as the GST voucher you save payment. So these are all transfer payments that we have learned under discretionary uh, fiscal policy, right? And then for families with children, we can top up the EduSave account. Uh, we can even give, for example, CDC vouchers to be used at like participating heartland shops and hawker centers. This is all to drive consumption, really. And then for families living in a HDB flat, there's an extension of the rebate on service and conservancy charges rebate because that's actually going to be quite important in terms of the cost of living. So it helps to offset uh, all of these charges, right, depending on your HDB flat type. So this is like means testing, right? You want to make sure that different income groups are actually kind of uh, adequately taken care of and their needs are addressed. And that is the whole concept of inclusive growth. So this kind of household support package is like the $900 million, okay, that is kind of going out. 
and that is intended to help the the average Singaporean right or the household. But of course, at the same time, it's not enough just to give people, you know, like for example, money, right, to spend or give them credit to spend, right? Because we know that they might not be necessarily willing to spend because, you know, as we know, uh, in a recession, people are probably a little more cautious and they don't want to spend, you know, uh, too much, you know, because they uh, have the possibility of them maybe getting unemployed. So a very important, like, second branch of this entire strategy is to preserve jobs. Okay, so as part of the 11 billion COVID-19 resilience package, they're going to continue to extend. So they already had it, that means it's going to extend, right? The job support scheme for sectors that are hard hit by the pandemic and top on the list, obviously, are things like aviation, aerospace, and tourism. So what exactly are they going to do? Because if you just think about the job support scheme, it just sounds like government spending. But it's actually government spending with supply-side effects, and I'm going to explain why. Okay, number one, they talk about wage support. So wage support is basically like an artificial propping up of the wages that are paid to these people, right? Because they're not being employed, maybe they've been retrenched, or maybe the firms that are in these industries are actually facing a lot of like problems because they're not earning enough revenue. Well, you need to make sure that you support wages so that people remain in jobs. Because if people remain in jobs, they will continue to be able to spend and drive the economy their consumption. So unfortunately though, the support will start to taper down because they cannot like sustain that level of like wage support for such a long period of time because it has to be justified and later on we'll talk about how we're going to get the tax revenue. So the support for firms in like the retail, arts and culture and food services are going to be very important because they have been the hardest hit and other sectors are generally recovering. So the people that are not recovering unfortunately will get to have this support for a longer period of time which makes it more targeted, right? It's not like some kind of like broad you know, kind of like broad stroke and like everybody just, you know, receives the same amount of support for the same amount of time. You can use a lot and you can change a lot of different elements, you know, basically to change the effects of your policy. So it doesn't have to be like, wow, uh, I have to, you know, think of like, you know, a very specific wage support for each industry. I can just group them and then I can think about, you know, how long I want to offer the support. But who's going to foot the bill? That's what's going to come later, right? So... Aside from retaining jobs, which is important, businesses in the worst hit sectors are also going to receive some support to help them to preserve capability. So for example, global air travel has really uh, come to a standstill and the government is going to be putting $870 million towards the aviation sector. So some of these include a 10% landing charge rebate for all scheduled passenger flights landing in Singapore, 50% rebate on rental paid for ground handling lounges, and basically they're just trying to make it more easier to do business and they want to make it more attractive to do business and they want to help these firms to kind of like keep their costs in check because right? Right, yes we will soon learn firms actually have different types of costs variable costs fixed costs so if you want to kind of like land more planes you will have to pay for things like for example renting all of the berthing facilities to kind of store your plane the ground handling fees all of this comes into the cost of basically all of our airplane tickets we just don't really think about it but from a first perspective they have to make these kind of considerations and make these calls and that kind of links us to a very important part of this entire budget which is the SG United Jobs and Skills Package basically this is another way of saying this is another kind of fiscal policy with supply side effects and we kind of know it from the word skills skills means skills upgrading which means reduce structural unemployment and, you know, kind of also to some degree uh, help to increase our productive capacity because the quality of our labour has increased. And labour is a very vital resource. So it's going to get like a 5.4 billion Singapore dollar boost to support the hiring of like 200,000 locals and provide up to 35,000 training opportunities. 
The bulk of this, of course, will go towards extending the jobs growth uh, incentive scheme that provides great support for new local hires. So basically, you're trying to support employers to accelerate the hiring of local workers and you're trying to extend the qualifying window. Okay. So interestingly, I think under wage policy, right, there's like a whole kind of host of different policies that are out there. I think for us, it's just important to kind of realize that, you know, not all workers are the same. They differ in terms of their age level, the experience level, as well as, you know, their willingness to kind of transit between jobs. So if we kind of look closer at different types of workers, we kind of come away with more nuanced views. We don't just see it as like, oh, employment means employment and then the workforce is just a workforce. It really depends on like, you know, the characteristics of each worker as well as the different types of workers that are out there. So for example, you have like new local hires, people who have never had a job before. Then you have people who have mature local hires or persons with disabilities or ex-offenders, for example. So there's like so many different types of workers out there and they all actually have differential impacts, right, depending on, uh, you know, their job, their job uh, readiness level, you know, the amount of skills they have. So it's quite interesting that actually a lot of these skills training and traineeships also take place in terms of mid-career. So there's a lot of like mid-career switches. So people only think it's about, you know, people who have just joined the workforce, but actually that's not true because we also want to kind of like promote uh, mid-career professionals to kind of like reskill and to kind of transit between jobs. Of course, another important part of the pandemic is to like recognize the contributions of Singapore's healthcare workers. So there's like a lot of like uh, salary enhancements, which is definitely a good thing for them, right? And another important uh, kind of branch of this entire budget is the adoption of electric vehicles, which is quite interesting because this entire budget has like all the kinds of economic growth. Got sustained growth because ADAS increased, then got inclusive growth, now got sustainable growth because we don't need to have economic growth at the price or at the expense of like environmental degradation and the depletion of non-renewable natural resources. Because now we're going to encourage more adoption of electric vehicles. So it's going to accelerate the drive for early adoption of electric vehicles. And we're going to have more like 60,000, I think, charging points deployed at public car parks or private premises. And it's going to be changes to like registration fees and road tax. So like accelerating the drive for early adoption is intended to make it easier for people. Basically, this is like a bit of demand and supply and a bit of market failure. Because we know that electric vehicles are good because they have to reduce pollution, right, overcome negative externalities. And they provide like an alternative like, to using diesel-operated vehicles. But it's also about demand and supply, because the drive for early adoption helps to shift people's tastes and preferences, because it makes it like more convenient, right? If you have like a place to go and charge your car, then it's like much better for you. And the fact that you can change registration fees and road tax, wow, that also helps to narrow the cost differential between electric cars and other cars. Because now, basically, you are making it more uh, attractive, right? Because now the registration fees and the road tax are not as much, right? Uh, so this helps to narrow the cost, I think, differential, right? And people kind of perceive now uh, electric vehicles as a stronger substitute. So, wow, we even bring in elasticity, the cross-elasticity of demand between electric vehicles and your normal, you know, uh, internal combustion engine cars. So that, I think, is an interesting thought in itself, right? But I think the fact that it's going to be such an acceleration of this drive towards adoption of electric vehicles is a very exciting thing indeed. So in order to kind of like achieve this, they decided to catalyze a partnership between the public and private sector because they don't necessarily have to like work in competition with one another. They can work together and they can find synergy. So that's why the government is putting aside like $30 million over the next five years for all of these like electric vehicle related initiatives. Right. So for example, they are trying to increase the affordability of electric cars, which are kind of like, you know, kind of makes the electric car a more viable substitute to the uh, internal combustion engine cars.
and adjusting road tax I think is pretty interesting too because like you have to pay road tax you have to pay uh, registration fees in order to kind of own right so this is like about car ownership also but from the other perspective because you've always been talking about like oh you know making like driving the internal combustion engine car more expensive but now you're trying to make the other kind of car more attractive which is interesting right and another thing that's going to happen which I think kind of like comes together increase in petrol duty rates oh my goodness isn't that like the supply kind of falling to the left because cost of production increase or cost of owning the car also increase so I think an increase in petrol duty rates is definitely going to have a very, very big impact, I think, on the usage of these internal combustion uh, engine cars. So this is going to be uh, something that's actually really interesting because actually some Singaporeans do rely on these vehicles for their livelihood. For example, taxis and private hire cars who use petrol. So in order to kind of offset some of these possible negative impacts or unintended consequences, they've announced like a slew of road tax rebates. So, for example, 15% road tax rebates. It's all about transition. It's all about allowing people to transition into a new phase. And that kind of comes into the discussion when they're talking about the Singapore Green Plan 2030, to leading a green charge. So, what is this whole idea of sustainable growth? I think it's really coming front and centre, and you should definitely read this article in more, uh, more detail. Lah. But these are the main things that are happening. Number one, technology. Right, so we've like been talking about food security for the longest time and this is really coming to a head now because $60 million is going to a new agri-food cluster transformation fund to support technology adoption in the food sector and improve Singapore's food resilience because like it or not, we rely on a lot of other countries to import all of our food products but in the longer term, that's not a good thing because what happens when there's supply shops so many people don't want to import, uh, we can't import these goods anymore. So that's going to be a very real concern. And on capital, the government will start to issue green bonds, which is really interesting. What are green bonds, right? On select public infrastructure projects. So basically, you're kind of like getting a bit of a stake, right, in this entire public infrastructure project. One such project is like the Tuas Nexus development, which combines waste and water treatment facilities. And thirdly, it's a lot of like public sector-led initiatives, like the Green Gov to SG initiative. So basically doing a lot of ground-up initiatives to change people's mindset. And how is all of this government spending going to be funded? So now that's actually kind of the central question. So they're like spending on so many areas, you know, ADAS, everything's increasing. And that all comes to fruition in terms of when are we going to increase Singapore's GST. So it was like first announced in 2018 and the tax will eventually increase from 7 to 9%. So the tax effect, the tax increase will not take effect this year, but it will happen sometime between the next three years, which is 2022 to 2025. And sooner rather than later. Because we need it, Singapore's recurrent expenditure, that means we have to expand every year, right? It's rising, in particular healthcare spending there. I think we have kind of heard this before. And there will be some relief when the tax is eventually raised. Okay? So they will effectively delay the effect of GST increase for a majority of households by at least 5 years because there will be a 6 billion assurance package, which is kind of interesting in terms of the timing. Because at some point in time, tax revenue has to increase. Right? But something that's also... um new, I think, is that Singapore will start to extend GST to imported low-value goods with effect from January 1st, 2023. Because it used to be just goods and services, right, that you buy, then you have to, the GST is included, right? So this is very interesting because, like, why are we extending GST and kind of, like, changing up tax structure? This is because we want to ensure a level playing field for local businesses to compete with overseas counterparts, especially as e-commerce sales grow. So you kind of know, right, that a lot of people like to go on the e-commerce website, you know, and buy things, for example, Taobao, ETC, right? 
So to ensure a level playing field, you go to actually extend GST, but that's kind of interesting because that means our imported goods and services become more expensive, right? Ah yeah, what happens ah? Then we, we suffer from inflation, we suffer from the effects of inflation, is it? All of our goods and services become more expensive, cost of living also like affected, material as well also affected. Right? I can't buy as much, right? But then on the other hand, like it also means that I can collect more tax revenue, right, from some of these items. And could even this GST be viewed as a form of protectionism? Hmm, very interesting. A lot of questions that we can ask here. And all of these like low-value goods, right, do you know that actually the volume is like 21.2 million? That means like online shopping, right, has really, really risen. And it's going to be interesting how GST applies to a lot of these uh, various types of goods. So I think, you know, there's a lot of like new shifts and changes that have like been kind of like emphasized in terms of budget 2021. But... I really invite you to really take a closer look, but so this is just like a very short look, a bit of a primer to what to expect like, from Budget 2021 because I think it's a very exciting time to learn and to understand economics because it helps us to better understand a lot of the changes that are taking place and these are very exciting times to live in. So I hope that you will take some time to read the article that is attached in the link to this description and I will see you in next week's uh, episode. Thank you.